Welcome to the First Baptist Barberville Weekly Sermon Podcast. At FBC Barberville, our mission is to gather, grow, give, and go. Join us for live worship on the Court Square in Barberville, Kentucky, or to learn more about our church, visit fbcbarberville.com. Here is Pastor Tyler Shields. Wish you could have seen the look on some of your faces when I said we're going to ask you to do something weird. Some of y'all were freaking out when I was getting ready to do. Doesn't that feel good? Fellowship so important for the church. We do it at Walmart. Why not do it at the in the Lord's house? So as a church, we've been going through the Word of God together since the beginning of this year, literally with a reading plan and reading the Word together, studying the Word. And for me, it's been a real privilege. It's so much fun preaching through the narrative of Scripture. And so this morning, though, we're going to take a break from that uh, because it is Resurrection Sunday. We're going to be jumping over to the New Testament uh, because this is, a, as I said, a very special week. That we, we come together. I mean, look at what a great gathering we have here this morning. Families have traveled to come and be together today because today is a day of celebration, right? And we're celebrating not just our crucified Lord, but we're celebrating our risen Savior. And this truth, the fact that Jesus is alive, um, this is what it's all about. I mean, this is why we're here this morning. As we talked about in the sunrise service this morning, everything in our faith as Christians hinges on that tomb being empty today. If Jesus is still dead, then we have no hope. But because Christ is alive, we have a hope that transcends the grave. It transcends this temporal life and anything that we may deal with in this life. The Apostle Paul said that if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people to be most pity. But then he said, indeed, though, Christ is risen. And because of that, that's why we have this, this hope. That, uh, and it's, it's not just like we think hope is so simple. I mean, it's, but this is bigger than hope. It's an assurance It's a guarantee that our salvation is real, that what Christ has done for us and what He offers us, it's a sure deal. Now, with that assurance in mind, uh, you can go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23 if you'd like. And this morning, I want to look at a scene during Christ's suffering, during His crucifixion, and look at a conversation while on the cross that Jesus had with a very sinful man And I think this whole ordeal, this conversation is further proof of the hope that we're talking about this morning. I think it's evidence that the only way we'll ever be saved, and hear this very clearly, the only way that we'll ever, any of us, will ever make it to heaven, the only way that any person in this room will ever be right with God is through Jesus. Look at Luke 23, verse 32. The Bible says, Two others... Criminals were also led away to be executed with him. When they arrived at the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on the right and one on the left. Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they're doing. And they divided his clothes and cast lots. The people stood watching, and even the leaders were scoffing, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if this is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him. They came offering him sour wine 
and said, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. An inscription was above him, This is the king of the Jews. Then one of the criminals hanging there began to yell insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, Don't you even fear God? Since you are undergoing the same punishment, we are punished justly because we're getting back what we deserve for the things that we did. But this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. This passage of Scripture, I believe, presents what may be the clearest picture of the gospel in the Bible. And it causes a lot of people some serious problems with their theology, with their beliefs, because so many of us are just, we're convinced, whether we realize it or not, that our works, the things that we do, the things that we say, the things that we don't do and don't say, somehow at the end of this life will help get us into heaven. But this is not the picture that this is painting. You know, you ever think about, just play along for a minute. You ever th- have this, this daydream where you're standing at the pearly gates trying to get into heaven and you're trying to run through your mind what you're going to say to get the angel to let you in? You ever think about that? Like, what, what would your reasoning be to, be to be able to go into heaven, right? If it's St. Peter, this angel, or whatever. Reminded me of a story I heard this week about this fellow that he was in that situation. He died, and he finds himself standing at the pearly gates. And, of course, the angel greets him. He's like, welcome to heaven. How can we help you? And he's like, I think I want to come in. And he's like, well, why should we let you in? And so he's like, well, let me think. I was traveling. I've done a lot of good things. I was traveling out west recently. And I came across this group of, of bikers. And they were, and nothing against bikers. I've got one myself. I love them. He said, but I, this is part of the joke. And they were, <laughs> they were harassing this woman. And I just felt compelled to intervene in this situation. He says, so... I park my car, I get out, and I run up to the biggest, baddest, meanest looking biker in the whole game, and I punched him right in the mouth. He said, I grabbed him by the ponytail, and I ripped out his nose ring, and then I, I kicked his bike over, and I turned to the other bikers, and I said, look, if you're going to mess with this woman, you're going to come through me first. And the angel's like, so when did this happen? He's like, I think just a few minutes ago before I got here. <laughs> you see, the true gospel depicted here. In this scene on the cross, it's not one that's based on works, salvation based on works. The gospel presented here works on an entirely different paradigm. The true gospel says that even the best among us don't deserve to go to heaven. But it also says even the worst among us get the opportunity because of Christ. Notice this man, this this incredible Incredible. unnamed criminal on the cross next to Jesus. Notice what did not save him that day 2,000 years ago. And the first thing is we have to realize his deeds did not save him. His works works did not save him. He was crucified next to Christ, not because he was like Christ, but because he was anything but like Christ. He wasn't like the Apostle Peter who would be crucified like Christ or some of the others. He was here because he was a criminal. Some translations say a thief. The Greek word that Luke uses here literally means an evildoer. And what we got to understand is that crucifixion as a means of punishment was reserved by the Romans for some of the people that, that were among the worst people. 
in society, and, 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 and not even for Roman citizens, but for those that they wanted to humiliate, to torment, to make an example of. Typically, it was used for slaves, for rebels, for enemies of the state, people that the Romans really didn't like. And so while the Bible doesn't tell us exactly what this man had done, I think we can be pretty sure based on Luke's description of him, of him this wasn't a good guy. Rome had deemed him unfit to live any longer on planet Earth and sentenced him to die in a very painful and shameful way. He himself, even while on the cross, said what? He said, look, we, we're getting what we deserve. We're getting the payback for the things that we've done. This guy was guilty. But more than that, he didn't even have the opportunity to go back and atone for the evil things he'd done. How many people sometimes wish you could go back and make right some of the wrongs that you've done in life? This guy didn't even get that opportunity. He would never get the chance to make up for the, the people that he had wronged. He would never get the, uh, the opportunity to restore or repay anyone for the crimes that he committed. He was bound and crucified on a cross that he deserved. He was getting what was coming to him. But even if he could go back, I want you to realize this. Even if he could go back and try to make up for all he'd done, all the good works, good deeds over the course of a lifetime, can never atone for even one sin. If you stop, what I'm trying to get through to us is if you stop today, and I, I don't, I've not met anybody that can do this, but if you could and you stopped sinning today, never sin one more time for the rest of your life, even that couldn't atone for one sin that you've committed. It wouldn't get you even an inch closer to God. So maybe you're thinking, well, preacher, listen, that, that's great, but this guy was a bad guy. I'm not like that guy. I'm a pretty good person. I'm a good man or a good woman. You know what the problem with that is? When I, when I, when I tell people that, and I'm trying to share the gospel, and they say that, you know what the, the issue is? That's not what the Bible says. What does the Bible say about us as people? It says, there is none good, no, not even one. That all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Jesus went so far to teach that if you have anger or hate in your heart against someone else, you might as well be a murderer. He said if you have lust in your heart for someone else, you might as well be an adulterer. You see, God's standards are so much and, God, and man's sinfulness is so much that no amount of good deeds will ever bridge that gap between a holy God and a sinful man. So his deeds didn't save him. He wasn't. A good man, but notice also his baptism didn't save him. I'm going to spend some time here. There's a lot packaged up into this one. This causes a lot of problems for a lot of different people who put faith in baptism instead of faith in Jesus. And when I bring this point up, this is not an excuse not to get baptized. If you are able, you need to get baptized at some point. And I love to baptize people. It's, an, it's being obedient to Christ's commands and Christ's example. But the Bible doesn't tell us that this particular man was ever baptized. We, we don't know that. I've heard people, though, when we talk about this story, go so far to say he had to have been baptized before he was put on the cross. Maybe John the Baptist baptized him. Maybe the disciples baptized him before he got there. I've even had people say they pulled him down off the cross, baptized him, and then put him back up. I don't know where you even get this stuff. But this man, according to Scripture that we know, was never baptized. And I think, I think he was lost when he got there, to be honest with you. 
But even if he had been baptized at any point in his life, the point I'm making, that, that didn't do anything for him. That baptism did not save him. That water did nothing to wash his sins away. This man, in my humble opinion, was a sinner, a lost man when he was placed on that cross. Matthew and Mark tell us that not only did one criminal mock Jesus, but said when they first got there, both of them were mocking and taunting Jesus. I, don't, I think this man... Uh, that was saved later by Jesus wouldn't have been mocking Jesus when he was put on the cross. I think he was saved while on the cross next to Jesus. But it wasn't baptism that saved him. I heard a, a good story about baptism recently, actually. It was about the old timers going down to the river to baptize folks. And, and I always loved being able to do that. We used to go down to the river if we had a lot of people to baptize, we'd just cancel church, have church down at the river, or have a special service at the river, and baptize people there. And, and it used to be something people did all the time, right? But this uh, group of old-timers back in the day, they went down to the river to baptize all these folks that had gotten saved during revival. And the first guy comes out, and the preacher, I think, was just, just so excited. He gets the guy out in the water. He didn't even say a word, didn't even warn the guy. He just grabbed him and just, boom, in the water. Of course, he swallowed half the river when he took him down. He pulled him back up. And he's like, son, do you believe? Of course, the guy's, you know, snot, can't catch a breath. And the preacher wasn't satisfied. So he dunked him again. <laughs> pulled him back up. Said, son, do you believe? And same thing. He's choking to death. Can't catch his breath. Can't see. So third time, pulled him back up. <laughs> he said, son, so, son do you? He, do said, you? he said, preacher, I believe you're trying to drown me today. <laughs> But I love, I love baptizing people. A baptism is such a, a monumental part of your, your faith and a walk, your walk with Christ. And I do love river baptisms. I wasn't kidding about that. Matter of fact, Easton was baptized in the middle fork of the Kentucky River. And maybe that's something we can do at some point. But over the years, baptism has been turned into to different things. And biblically speaking, though, baptism is an obedient act to Christ symbolizing your belief in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior. And when you're baptized, just as Christ was buried and then rose on the third day, in your baptism, you're identifying with Christ, dying to your sin, burying the old you, and then, as Paul says, being raised to walk in a new way of life with Christ. Now, the point is, if you've ever been baptized and you've hoped that that somehow would save you, but you're not saved then you need to be saved and then be baptized. That's the biblical way to go about this because baptism's not going to save your soul any more than a good hot shower will save your soul. Church membership is not going to save your soul. Putting your name on a Sunday school roll is not going to save you. Coming to church and putting money in the offering plate is not going to save you. And you know, you're probably thinking, all right, preacher, you've named a lot of good things and my deeds can't save me and coming to church can't save me, baptism can't save me. It's starting to look kind of hopeless, right? How can I be saved? Well, the thief on the cross figured it out. He was only saved by Jesus. There was no other way for this man to get to heaven. He went to his cross, a guilty man, and he hung there 
a lost man, but as he hung there next to Jesus, I wish I could just know his thoughts for a moment. Because as he hung there dying on the cross that he deserved, next to Jesus, who did not deserve to be there, something began to change inside of that man. And he's seeing Jesus. He's hearing the things that Jesus is saying. He's hearing Jesus pray to the Father. He's hearing Jesus quote Scripture. And something in his heart began to shift. And I think he experienced probably for the first time this thing that we call faith. And he went from just another criminal dying for his crimes, dying on a cross, mocking the Son of God to a man of faith, going so far to condemn his counterpart for his unbelief, and then turning to Jesus and asking Jesus to just remember him, to save him. It wasn't his deeds, it wasn't his baptism, his religion, religion, his lineage, his heritage for his family. It was only Jesus that saved the thief on the cross. Pastor Alistair Begg refers to this story and he says, man, just, just think about this guy for a minute. He says, I can't wait to get to heaven someday and just track this guy down and just ask him, man, how did that shake out for you? Because one minute you're, you're mocking Jesus, you're, you're making fun of him, you're, you're cussing him with your friend, and then the next minute you're saved and you, and you make it. He's like, how, do you, how did you make it? Of all of us, how did you get there? And he goes back to that same story, you know, that same picture of standing at the pearly gate. Can you imagine that guy getting to the pearly gate and trying to get into heaven? He walks up to the, to the angel and, and the angel's like, hey, how can I help you? And he's like, I don't, I don't know. I, I, can I come in? And the angel's like, well, well what, how'd you get here? Why are you here? And he's like, I don't know. The angel's like, what do you mean you don't know? He's like, I'm just here. I I don't know. He's like, well, let me get my supervisor. So the angel goes and gets supervisor angel, comes back. Supervisor angel's like, okay, sir, welcome to heaven. How can we help you? Why are you here? He's like, I I don't know. I just kind of got here. Well, do you understand the, the doctrine of justification by faith? He's like, I never heard of it. He's like, well... Do you understand the, the inerrancy and infallibility of, of Scripture? Do you understand the doctrines of, of grace? He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. So in all this frustration, finally the angel's like, Sir, let's be really clear for just a moment. On what basis are you here today? He says, all I know is the man on the middle cross told me I could come. And the point is, we're that man on the cross, the thief, Right? The best of us, the worst of us, we are the one that's hopeless and helpless, dying and going to hell if something doesn't change for us because of our sin. And the only hope that we have, the only listen, I'll be, I'll be the first to tell you, the only hope that Tyler Shields has of getting through that gate is Jesus. That's it. If you were to die today and you answer that question, what are you doing here? Why should we let you in with anything that sounds like because I, because I did this or I did that or I didn't do this. I never did that. I went to church or I went to Sunday school or I did whatever. Then you're wrong. The only answer that's suitable is because he, 
Because He died for me on the cross. Because He took my sins upon Himself. Because He who knew no sin became sin for me that I might be the righteousness of God. Because He rose from the grave. That's why I get to be here. Because He said I could. The story, again, paints such a, a, a clear picture of the gospel. Of two very clear options. We've got two men with very similar lives. Both are guilty. Both are deserving death. Both are dying the death that they deserve. Both are witnessing firsthand the atoning sacrifice of Christ on the cross. Think about this. Both of these guys had front row seats to the gospel unfolding before them, but only one responded in faith. Only one turned to Jesus and asked Jesus, Lord, just remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Salvation will always be by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. There is never going to be any other way. And the thief on the cross shows us that. This morning I want you to understand, I I call this message only Jesus. Because that's the only way. Only Jesus could die the the sacrificial death for our sins. Only Jesus could, could rise from the grave for our justification, as the Bible says. Only Jesus could defeat sin and death and the devil forever. And the fact is, only Jesus can save you today. That's it. It's only Jesus. Let's stand together as we pray. If you've ever placed your faith in anything apart from Jesus, such as your works or your goodness or your baptism or your church membership, today you need to place your faith in Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And none of us are going to get to the Father except through Him. And I'm so thankful, church, today that we have not only a Savior that paid the penalty for us, that paid the price for our sins, but is also alive making intercession for us at the right hand of God. Aren't you thankful that He's alive this morning? Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for allowing us to be here today to worship together. Lord, we thank You, Father, so much for sending Jesus to our cross. God, we should have been the thief dying on the cross for our sins, but instead You allowed Jesus, Your Son, to go there for us. Not just to die for us, not just to bleed for us, not just to take the the, the physical punishment that we deserve, but to take all of our sin upon Himself. God, I just pray that if we don't get this, if there's someone that just hasn't figured out that, that, that there's no other way except for, for Jesus, today we'd get it. God, if, if we've been trying to clean our lives up, if we've been trying to get it all right and then come to Jesus, God, I pray you, you'd help us understand that's backwards. That's not how this works. We come to Jesus and He cleanses, cleanses us from the inside out. Father, we thank You that today we are here. We're worshiping. We're preaching. We're singing together in resurrection power, knowing that Christ is alive, that death has been defeated, that Satan has no power, that we have the hope of an eternal life. All because of Him, we thank You, Lord, in Jesus' name.
Amen. This morning, if you need to come and pray, or if you, you need to be saved, if you need Jesus this morning, why don't you come today as we sing a song of invitation? If you just want to come to the altar and, and maybe even pray for someone else that you know needs to be saved, it's an important matter. Why don't you come as we sing this morning? Thanks for listening to the weekly sermon podcast. Please subscribe, but also join us live in person on the Court Square in Barberville or find us on YouTube by searching FBC Barberville, on Instagram at first underscore Baptist underscore Barberville, on Twitter at Barberville FBC, or on our Facebook page, First Baptist Barberville.